Hey, this is Rich Dueck, writer of Sea of Sorrows for IDW Publishing, and you are listening to Spoiler Country. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Spoiler Country. Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on SpoilerVerse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Undersea cave dwellers, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That right there is the impressionable Mr. Horsley. Impressionable. Day on the show. Well, it's Rich Duick, isn't it? It is. He comes on to talk about Sea of Sorrows from IDW, and uh, That's great that book, book looks really good, man. Dude, I, I looked at the great. previews for it. Did you read it? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. A lot. It's He does a really good job. Him and the artist do a really good job of finding that fright zone. You know, nice. where you're like reading through it and you can kind of see and he, and his, the first mate is this, uh, this, <laughs> she's this lady. I don't, I don't, how do you be PC about it? She's this lesbian chick that is full on <laughs> amazing. Right. You know, she's like, she has a, she has like one of the best lines in the whole book where she's like, if, if I cared about all the men's feelings I hurt from them hitting on me at sea. I could, I was like, how does it go? I don't, you know, I don't want to ruin it. Actually, I don't want to ruin it. And, and then it doesn't, you know what I mean? That sounds like shit, right. but Just she's go buy the like book legit and one of the it. best characters in that book. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Well, it sounds amazing. And I'm yeah. excited to hear you and Rich talk. Yeah. Yeah. He was really cool. I can't wait to have him on again. Nice. Nice. What do you say? We just get into it. Yeah. Let's listen to uh, Rich do it in his own words. I'm Kendrick, and today on the show, we're happy to have and excited to have, uh, he's doing a lot of work with IDW Publishing, who you guys know already, we're huge fans of, because we've had a ton of people from IDW on, uh, which is always fun. This guy's got a brand new book out, or a brand new series of books that are coming out called Sea of Sorrows. Number one and two are out right now, so you can go down to your LCS, your local comic book store, or go on to Comixology, or however you get your comics. And check it out. I just got done reading the first two. They're fantastic. Richard Dueck, thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, Carrick. Yeah. Uh, glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. <laughs> how, <laughs> how are you doing? How is everything going? Uh, things are going pretty good. You know, all things considered, it's like, you know, 2020 was a crazy year. 2021 is like... Uh, already a crazy year. year. Like, you know, <laughs> already. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> But, you know, like 
considering the state of things like, yeah, no, things, things are good. Oh, that's good. That's good. So let's kind of jump into it. You got your latest book out. You've had some other really cool books like uh, Road of Bones, and now you got Sea of Sorrow out. Where did this come from? It's a great concept. It's kind of like a, um, how do you explain this book without giving too much away? It's it, it's it's really the crossover. It, it's the backstabbing crew. How, how do you explain yeah, this book? It's, it's, it, I, it's kind of like a, you know, almost like a classic, uh, like deep sea treasure hunt story, yeah. you know, but with, with a, with a horrific twist that, you know, like I think one of the, one of the things that kind of like inspired us as far as like the setting goes is like a lot of those, like kind of, um, you know, older movies, like, uh, uh, just about like, uh, just like a crew of ne'er do wells, uh, <laughs> going after, <laughs> after some treasure. Um, but you know, it's like, even though it, it's, you know, um, it's kind of like a setting, uh, people are like familiar with, you know, part of that is part of the reason why we, we were doing that is because we, we have like our own like, uh, little twists and surprises that we want to spring on people. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's like there, there, there's, um, it's set in like the post world war one period and, uh, they're going after, um, uh, some gold that's on a, a sunken German submarine. But, um, you know, not only are the crew kind of at odds with each other there, there's also, um, something down, uh, in the depths waiting for them. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's cool because you got to deal with the isolation of the open ocean. Mm-hmm. And then you got people on board that are not necessary, but they're forced to have to be there. And so you have that dynamic going on. You have a female first cap first mate who is, I mean, from all accounts in the first two series, you can, in the first two books, she, she comes across as, as quite the badass. you know, that's the only way I can, I can yeah, explain she, her. She's actually one, she's actually one of my favorite characters that I've, that I've written both like in this book and like, just in general, she's, uh, she, you know, like, uh, I just love like, um, just writing her like she, cause she's meant to be like very, like, you know, kind of like have like a, a sharp tongue and, yeah, and, yeah. and very witty and like, uh, so oh, she's, she's the, been a blast. The so, best so line in the yeah. book. If I, if, if every man threw themselves in the ocean that I turned down, I could walk home from here. <laughs> I, I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where did this story yeah, come from for that. you? Sorry, I can say it one more time. You broke up a little bit. Uh, oh, sorry. No worries. Where did the story come from for, for you? How did it, you know, where was your influence? And I mean, did you just wake sure, up in a cold sure. sweat and start writing? <laughs> well, like with Sea of Sorrows, it's kind of funny because uh, I don't think Sea of Sorrows would exist without, um, without Road of Bones. And, yeah. you know, Road of Bones was um, a miniseries we did. Um, Alex and I did. Um, Alex Cormack Back in uh, Alex Cormack, yeah, the amazing artist. Yeah, he is. Makes makes my words look uh, better than they have any right. Life to be. springs off the page um, with his work. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so Road of Bones uh, was like uh, a horror book we did um, in 2019, and um, it, similar, like in, in the way that it was like historical horror, like it was set during the Russian Gulag. Um, it's about three guys escaping um, 
escaping a prison camp and going into Siberia and all the uh, fun times that happen uh, after that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, it was, a it was like a self-contained story, like yeah. a mini series. And, um, when it was over, Alex and I were just talking about what we wanted to do next. And, um, you know, IDW, like as a company was like, this is great. Like, we love it. We'd love to see more. And we didn't really want to do like road of bones too. You know what right. I mean? Where like we would pick up the same characters or show like what happened next day or really like explain like some of the ambiguous ambiguous parts about like the ending because you know i think one of the things we really liked about road of bones is there was this kind of like interplay with like how much of what was going on was like in his head and how much was supernatural so we kind of like we didn't really want to like screw with that by like by doing a sequel you know it's like yeah that makes sense you know fine like with like horror stories it's and like like if you explain too much you almost kind of take the magic away so So we didn't want to do that. So what we did was we sat down and we said, like, well, what did we, what did we love, what did we love about doing Road of Bones? And, um, you know, I think the two main things that came out of it were, like, um, that we were doing it in um, like a historical setting that was maybe not as well well worn as a lot of historical settings. You know, like, um, you know ton of stories that happened during world war ii there's a ton of stories that happened like in the 20s let's say you know so yeah. we kind of like that it was like this happened in this period that you know maybe a lot of people might not have been familiar with and we also really liked kind of this like um comparison between um like uh a, a, a supernatural horror and um a psychological kind of like very human human horror so um so we're like okay that's like now where where can we do another story like that and alex had been really itching to to do uh to draw some undersea stuff yeah and he showed me this um he showed me this uh pinup he did um uh for just like uh it wasn't for anything it was just like you know like a, a print he did for when he would go to conventions and sell prints and it was like this uh deep sea old timey diver uh, wrestling with like a, a giant tentacle from like a, a squid, and I was just That's like, cool. "Yes, like you know, <laughs> yes, this is like <laughs> we got to do something with this." Like I, I, I loved like kind of just like the look of that like old diver suit as oh, opposed yeah. to like you know like modern scuba suit or something like that. So, um, so yeah, so then just from there, it was like, okay, well, we know we're doing the ocean, and we know we want to do something around the time that they were using these, these suits. So then it was just sort of like doing some research and, and, um, you know, trying to find, um, the right, like kind of time period and right setting. And, um, I was uh, looking at, you know, kind of underwater, my brain went to, uh, to submarines and I started researching like, you know, submarines. Yeah. And I found out that there were, there was this, uh, like the submarine in the book is based on, on a real, sh- on a real submarine. There was, oh, cool. it was called the Bremen and it was built to like, kind. this was like kind of before, um, the U S entered world war one, like, you know, like Europe had been fight, the Europeans had been fighting for like a few years and, and America was trying to stay neutral. Right. Um, but Germany was trying to buy weapons from america so they but they couldn't get through 
the naval blockade. So they were sending these submarines to like kind of secretly um, bring uh, people to negotiate. Crazy. And the Bremen was one of these, and it was lost at sea. Like you know, they they they're like ninety percent sure that it was sunk. You know, either by a blockade ship or or by accident or something. But nobody knows, and right. it's never found. Well, those U-boats were like, temperamental. And it's like aha, like a hole you know, in history that we can, we can fill in with something horrible. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so that's kind of like really where it came from was just like, sort of like, you know, once we, once we kind of like knew where to like zero in as far as like, you know, what time period and, and, and what we wanted, it was like, kind of like just finding that like hook into like, into the real world that would like, you know, just make it a little bit extra cool. Like, you know, I think he can enjoy the story without knowing that like, you know, that's a real yeah. submarine or anything. Like it doesn't really like enter into it, but it's just kind of like one of those cool little details that like makes me happy that we were, it, you know, able to include. But it's got to affect the subtext in your writing when you're, when you have that type of information. Yeah, it, it does, you know, because it's like, okay, so if we're talking about submarines, like we're talking about World War One, and World War One is like really interesting war. Uh, I mean, it, it gets it's like kind of far in the past, and and you know uh, the thing, the kind of atrocities and things that happened during World War Two mean that it's you know a little bit less explored, I think. But you know, when you really think about it, it's the first war where like. Um, just kind of like the like industrial killing machine was like right. unleashed, you know, like we had brutal wars, like as long as there have been people, but that was like the first war where you had stuff like poison gas and tanks and right. airplane bombings and raids and things like that. And there was just this so much stuff that was like kind of unleashed upon the world. Well, like subtext wise, writing these characters that I was trying to think was like, well, like, you know, you're this person and, and you like, you grew up and, and there's sort of this point where like, you know, uh, like when I was a kid, you know, there was none of this stuff. And then like the most horrible thing in the world happened. And like, how does that kind of like haunt you and how does it affect you? You know? And, yeah. and I think it affects a lot of the characters in, in, in a lot of different ways, you know, like Nick, uh, Nick Scholes, who's like the, um, you know, the diver kind of our point of view character and, and yeah. like the main diver, he's affected by it in a completely different way. Than, I like how they keep you know, calling him shell shocked. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, cause you they know, didn't call it PTSD. Was then. Like a real, yeah. yeah. It wasn't well understood. Like today we call it PTSD and we understand that, you know, it's, it's a serious condition and, uh, but, you know, this is like a time when like psychology, like the science of like psychology and psychiatry was in its infant, inf infancy. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they knew it was shell shock, but they figured it's like, oh, yeah, you know, just get over like, um, yeah, just, you know, take a couple of weeks off, rest up and, and you'll be fine. You know, and like yeah. we now we know that that's not the case, but you know, ignore the reoccurring the nightmares. Time, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think like all that just sort of like kind of goes into like um what's going on in my brain like as a writer of like, of like things that like i want to work in and things i want to want to address and then there's also you know just like there's like the 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 horror of of the ocean itself you know like yeah. like um i love the way alex draws it it's it's almost like 
like an alien planet or or like a you know like a deep space like walk or something you know yeah. it's like he, he um he, he was he was talking about it one time where he was like you know it's like it's going on and on for like miles and miles around you but you never know right because your own the only thing you can see is just like what's being illuminated by your flashlight like there could be like a, a giant shark like two feet to your right and if you weren't shining your light there you would have no idea and there's just something so like crazy and like uh, primal about that that uh you know I, I think that that really kind of informed like what we're trying to do with like building the mood and building the horror yeah in the isolation well using black for the color of the water like like you guys do throughout the book it looks fantastic because it just makes it gives it an eerie feeling as you're going through and it's already it, it, not a dark book in tone. I mean, it is a dark book in tone because it's you, you wrote it that way, but it's a dark in its colors yeah. as well. And it just blends so beautifully together because of that. Yeah. And it also kind of like works really well as like a contrast to Rota Bones, like in a way, because Rota Bones, was, since it was set in Siberia, that book had a lot of white. It was almost, you know, like there was like... It went uh, exact opposite. That's kind of cool. Yeah, there were like, sequences and pages where it was like almost all like kind of like you know like during a blizzard or something and uh, you know there was just like so much white on the page that i think it's like you know in a weird way they, they work like really really well together yeah as just like you know kind of like going the opposite direction does alex do all the uh penciling inking and coloring he does he's wow. like a one-man crime wave um <laughs> he does um he does uh use like uh, a flatter and like have, have some, some help uh, with the color. Right. Um, so that, you know, for like uh, that's like helps him, you know, like stay on, on like yeah. deadline and, and like allows him to like kind of um, if he's, you know, if he's doing working on the pencils for like issue four, let's say we know that like this, like work on issue three is like still, still going forward. Yeah. But like, yeah, but he, he kind of has like um, it's almost like, I guess you call it like a, like a painterly approach. You know what I mean? Like he kind of has in his head, like, um, what he, what he wants it to look like. And, and I know he's worked with colorists on other books and he's totally capable of letting that know, go when he um, needs to <laughs> working with a colorist. And, and, and I'm sure there are a lot of colorists that would work, work great, um, with his style. But like for these books, like he really kind of had like, um, like a picture in his head of like what he wanted to look like what he wanted everything to look like. So he really wanted to, uh, to, uh, to supervise like the color himself. So no, that's cool. Um, it, it looks fantastic. And, and the crazy, the, the crazy thing is, is like doing all of that, like the penciling and inking and coloring, he's still one of like the fastest and most reliable artists I've ever worked. Oh, with. that's awesome. That, dude, like, that's the hardest thing. What's up? Artists and contractors, man. Like people work on your house. Yeah. <laughs> They take forever. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> like I, you know, I, like it's 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 a hard hard gig, and yeah. I, I, I'm not like when I say like reliable, I'm not like trying to like ding anybody. Like, right. you know, pretty much everyone I've worked with, I've I've been like lucky enough to not have any like horror stories. Yeah. But um, you know, but it, it's like you know, but it's just a reality that it takes a lot of time. Yep. It's time consuming, and, and it's a lot of work. You and know, if they want to make pay their bills, it, but Alex is just sort of like. Like, uh, like I'll, I'll get like a Twitter DM and like, it'll be like a, a new page. And then like, 
a few hours later, another new page. And it's oh, like, that's awesome. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, are there like, did you clone yourself? Are there like three of you like working on it? <laughs> I don't Just, think people know, but, actually uh, understand how much work goes into creating a comic book. A lot of times, um, unless yeah. they're in the industry and they're, you know, collectively creating this content a lot, they don't understand how much work actually goes into it. And as being writing, it's great because you're setting a tone and you're, you know, you're creating your outline. I don't know how, like every writer I've ever talked to always, you know, people do it differently. Some people sit down with the artist and they, and they work together on the script. Some, you know, other writer, other artists mm-hmm. don't want that or the writer, you know, it's always different ways to do it. But man, when you got a pencil yeah. and pen and ink and has to look as good as some of these look, you can't do that. Yeah. In a day. Not everybody's Jack Kirby that puts out a whole book in a day, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. And it's just like, and that's the thing is like, you know, like if you're an artist and it's like, you know, maybe you're saying to yourself like, yeah, I could push myself to crank, crank out like five pages today, but then they're all going to look like crap, you know? So you don't want to do that either. Yeah. So it's like, you know, but he's just like, um, you know, uh, I can't say enough good stuff about, uh, sounds about like he's a machine. Like, hmm? he sounds like he's a machine. Yeah. Alex, yeah, the machine is. Cormac. He's, uh, <laughs> he's a machine. <laughs> and, and like, you know, and, and then also like, um, you know, also from road of bones, we, we brought back our letter, Justin Birch, who's, uh, um, oh. great to work with as well. Like easy read, um, easy read. Yeah. And I think it's so important. People Justin, don't understand how important your letterer is. Yeah. Cause he's we, great at like reading the eye. He, 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 he like tries like, uh, you know, he's like kind of like doing interesting stuff with like, like with the road of bones. It was like with the snow on the balloons yeah. here. It's like, you know, he's got his own look for like the underwater stuff where, um, you know, we, we tried to keep the underwater stuff like, um, relatively silent, but like when someone is speaking underwater, there, you know, he's got like his own like little effect there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you know, Justin is another like dude, like bringing his uh, his A game to the book. So dude, and the letter is so important, man. We because we give mm-hmm. you can imagine we get a lot of comic books, uh, a lot of independent creators. Uh, like it's their first or second mm-hmm. book they've ever made. You know, and like the ideas are good, but they, you know, they, they need to do more, right. They need to do a few more to really get to that point where you really want to promote what Mm -hmm. they're doing. Cause you know, but we've had a few of them where we've flat out had to tell them you need to have your whole book relettered because whoever did this doesn't understand balloon placement, fonting, all of it. It's so important because it makes a book unreadable. I'd I'd say, yeah, I'd say that's like the number one, like kind of fault I find with a lot of, um, you know, kind of early books by people. And I'm, yeah. I'm guilty of it myself. Sure. You know, my first, my first, my first learn. book that I ever self published was called gutter magic. And, um, you know, like, it's like, I, I was pr- proficient enough in, in, uh, illustrator, which is, um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like, a, it's like an image layout program, um, similar to Photoshop, but, yeah. um, there are certain things about it that make it uh, better for, for lettering. So I, I knew it well enough where like I, I could do lettering, like, like I, I could make a balloon, I could type it in, you know, like, like get, get a lettering font or whatever. And like, like I could do it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like just mechanically, like I knew it, knew what I had to do. So I do, I do this book. I'm super proud of it. 
um, New York Comic Con one year. I show it to uh, Eric Larson, who's uh, you know oh, yeah. the uh, creator of Savage Dragon, yep. um, one, one of the founding founding guys. Yep. And I'm like, hey, you know, like, what do you think? Like, you know, because in my head, I'm like, this is gonna be, you know, I'm gonna show this to like somebody image. They're gonna like publish it like that. Boom. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, you know, I like the art. I was like, he's like, but the lettering, it's like, it's like small and weird. And like, I, he's like, I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's just not great. And it's not helping the story. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> was it a kick in the? D- <laughs> was know? it like a total kick in the gut? Yeah. And then I, I, and then I, what I did was I, I then I took it and basically trashed what I did and, and yeah. hired an actual letterer and then really saw the difference, you know? Um, because, you know, you know, like when you're, when you're, when you're, self, when you're, when you're starting out and you're self-publishing comics, it, it's really freaking hard. It's expensive yep. to get, you know, if you can't draw, if you, if you're like a writer, you know, nobody's giving you any money to like produce the book. So it's like, right. so you got to pay an artist, you got to pay a colorist. And when, when you're kind of like looking at the different jobs, lettering like on the surface seems like the easiest one to pick up. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Because it's like, I'm not going to learn to draw the way that like Alex draws. It's like, like I just, you know, maybe if I like had 10 years to like practice or, or oh, something man, like not that. Even then. You know, I could do it for a hundred years. <laughs> and I wouldn't draw like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Coloring too. You kind of need like an eye for it and no color theory and yeah. things like that lettering like like at first blush kind of just seems like oh yeah you know you just freaking drop the balloons down and you, you type in <laughs> this balloon fits what you here. want them to say <laughs> yeah you know it seems see it's like it's deceptive in like how easy it seems but there really is like an art and a science to it and like you know making it readable leading the eye around the page yep having it work in harmony with the art and not fighting the art like like one of the best things i ever read was uh somebody i forget who said it but they said like you know like if you're noticing the lettering it's probably bad lettering it's like you know like kind of like the it's this like subtle thing where like if it's done right it carries you through the story and if it's done wrong it like pulls you out of it so you know again justin birch he's the man that's awesome big part of like making the book great yeah it makes a big difference man that's cool. So do you guys, mm-hmm. do you have anything in the mind already for your next? Because this is what four issues, two are out. We got two more coming, and then it's, it's actually going to be five. Oh, it's going to be it's five. Actually, this one's this one's five. Yeah, because oh, this one we have kind of like a little bit of a bigger cast and uh, a little bit more of like a mystery to resolve. I, should, I guess you could say. Then we do with Rota Bones. The Rota Bones is four. That's why everyone thinks this one is four, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, Comicsology because like, you know because I couldn't go and just yeah. get the book, so I just went to Comicsology and got it, and it says one of four. Even Comicsology thinks it's four. Yeah, you know, it's like jerks. There's confusion, but but there are five. Alex, I've written five. Alex has drawn five. It, it definitely exists. Right. At <laughs> <laughs> IDW is putting it. Out, so after so, the five but, is uh, out, do you have something else in mind already for your next adventure? Yeah, we do. Um, I can't really. You know, nothing you can share. <laughs> nothing, I, nothing I can share other than to say that, like, will it be horror based? We, Alex and I, yeah, Alex nice. and I have been talking about it. Um, we have like, I think, um, just a general idea of where we want to go. We need to do a little bit of, of fleshing out. Yeah, and we we do need to talk to IDW and make sure that they're like, you know, 
okay with it. Like, you know, there's nothing official yet. Is it Bigfoot? It's definitely something that we're like working on. (laughs) Right. Right. I was like, is it Bigfoot? I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll say, watch it be Bigfoot. There were, I had a, there were, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just going to say there, like when, when Alex and I were talking about like, you know, what we were doing in terms like when we, when we pitched Road of Bones, he, he told me there were like kind of three environments that he really, uh, was itching to draw and uh snow like tundra was one of them uh underwater was the second and the third is i'm not going to tell you but <laughs> you'll see you'll see soon enough uh, <laughs> but, that's uh, hilarious i love yeah. it I, I we had do you know who kevin joseph is kevin joseph i know the name yeah, he, he's, um, he's an independent is, guy he's but he has a book called tart and it's been a pretty big success it's it's a fun book it's a fun read Oh yeah, yeah. He's got okay. a really good artist. Um, but he came on and it was so funny. I said, Man, they're at the ocean. Are you gonna have them fight they're like on an island or something? And he and, and we we're talking the next episode was coming, the next issue was coming out, and I was like, I did the same thing, you know, oh you're gonna she's gonna be fighting sharks yet or next, right? He goes, Oh he he goes, I can't confirm or deny anything like that. And the very next issue, sharks. And I was like, oh, my God, I totally got it. <laughs> so if the next one comes out and there's Bigfoot, I'm going to be calling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. So, what, so, so, Rich, what drew you to want to write horror books specifically? It's funny because I never really thought of myself as a horror writer. Yeah. You know, like it, it, I like horror like as much as anyone does, but yeah. like I was always really drawn, gravitated more towards like fantasy and science fiction yeah. and, you know, like D and D fantasy or that, uh, yeah, like D and D fantasy or Conan or, yeah. you know, stuff like oh, that, Conan. And, like science fiction stuff, like, you know, like Blade Runner, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff like that you know some of my favorite sci-fi stuff and and like if you look at like a lot of my other work like my first series is called gutter magic that was like fantasy then i wrote wailing blade wailing blade is um it's like kind of like dark sci-fi you know like i'm always kind of on the dark side of things but i never really um was like oh yeah i really want to write hard right but then like uh, I was I was doing some research for for a story, and I, I wanted to do something with like a prison break. So I started reading about you know like historical examples, and and I stumbled on um, a lot of stories about uh, about the Soviet Gulag. And the more I I was like getting into it, the more I was like, you know what? Like this is like a really good story, like in and of itself. Like this this is like horrific this is like creeping me out I was right. like i was like i th- think i'm gonna give it a shot and uh just nice. as like a horror story like set like in here like no like you know not on another planet not in like you know middle earth or, or something like that you know uh and i just sort of loved it you know like like there was just something about um i love like writing horror for comics because it's like the challenge with it is is that you have like a very limited kind of like tool set compared to writing it uh, anywhere else. Like, cause if it was a movie like, and I wanted to make you feel tense, I could crank up the music, you know? Right. I could, I could put like creepy sounds. I could have like like a jump scare. Um, 
And then if it was a novel, I could really get inside somebody's head, you know, like I could, like, you know, I could really write like, you know, what they're feeling and like the dread and stuff like that. And, and then it's like the comics, it's sort of like in this weird kind of like third way that's not quite a novel, not quite, not quite a film where like a lot of, a lot of the things that you would do kind of happen, have to happen in the reader's head, you know, like, like so a lot of my approach to like writing horror comics is like kind of like setting a mood and building tension and, you know, picking those moments that are going to, you know, kind of like lead you through it and, 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 and sort of like play the movie out in your head as you're reading it. Yeah. Um, so I think like for me, it wasn't so much that like horror was something I always wanted to write for me. It was, it was like, I had an idea for a horror story and then in the process of writing that horror story and really kind of um, getting into the nitty gritty of, of like how to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish with it, how to, you know, make it scary and creepy and, and, and unsettling and things like that. I think I really just sort of really enjoyed that process and, and wanted to do more of it. And, you know, Road of Bones was kind of like my first, you know, dipping my toe into the pool with, uh, you know, of like writing R and like Sea of Sorrows is sort of everything I learned about about it writing in the process of writing Road of Bones, trying to put put that um, put those lessons to good use. That's cool. So, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I always like want to know, I'm always curious, what is like your mom and dad or I don't know if you have a brother or sister, what do they think about you writing comic books and you know, cause that family dynamic <laughs> can be so weird when it comes to, when you pick a profession, that's not necessarily, uh, it's hard work to make it in comic comics, you know? And oh, sometimes yeah. people think it's, it's just a fantasy that you're doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, he'll get, they'll get over it. I think that's what they think. Yeah. You know? I'm, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not gonna, you know, like lie or anything. Like I have a day job, like, you know, I, I work in, I work sure. in advertising and that kind of like, you know, Keeps my bills paid. Yeah. Keeps my family fed. You know, I, I don't like find any like shame in it. And and it's like, I, I don't really think that like, you know, it, it's like all or nothing or you're either like a starving artist or, or, you know, a, a worker bee. I think it's like everybody just sort of like finds what works for them. And what works for me is working my day job and then, you know, kind of uh, working the comics as, as like, uh, a side thing for now like i would love to do them full time and you know i think like every book i put out kind of moves me closer to that goal but yeah but i'm not there yet but well, you know and, and i'm not but i'm not like upset about it it's just sort of like you know part of the part of the process for me but as far as like my family goes i think probably when i started they probably were like oh you know this is just another one of like uh rich being rich crazy like, dumb dumb geek things that he's gonna do for a while and then drop because you know like like my parents like i played D when i was a kid and like i you know like i uh was like always talking about writing for like a long time but like never really got it off the ground when i when i was like younger and like um you know, I, I think they just probably thought of it as, as like the same thing of, of like when I was like, you know, 12 and, and wanted to play guitar. Like, and, and you know, they they uh, paid for guitar lessons and I eventually lost interest in it. Sure. And, you know, uh, 
<laughs> and then it, that was like money down the drain for the guitar. But you know, as, as an adult writing comics, it's like it's my money. So it's like if I want to flush it down the drain, that, that's yeah. my business. Well, to me, it's like so, this. But I always think of this. My like, I have a daughter. She's seven, and I always think of well, if she's gonna try something, even if it's guitar lessons or whatever it may be, I'm more than happy to dump my money into that because one of those things might hit, you know, mm-hmm. just like you found comic yeah. books in your writing. Cause it hit for you. And, and I, I think that's awesome. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah I, I have kids myself and, and it's the same sort of thing. Like, um, you know, I have a, my son, my older son, he's 11, uh, actually 12 now. Cause he just had a birthday like a week ago. <laughs> um, but, uh, he, he, he's into like, um, like he decided like he wanted to get into video editing. So like, oh, cool. I was like, yeah, cool. let's do it. You know, like tell me the program you need and we'll, you know, let's what, get you started. What is he learning on? Yeah. Um, it's some free program right now that like he, he just wanted to try it just mm-hmm. to see, you know, what he could do. But I think like if he sticks with it, like I'll going to get him like, um, does he have a Mac know, or does he have a PC Adobe premiere or yeah. something like that? But, I think he's just doing it with like like stuff like iMovie right now, just to yeah. sort of get a feel for it. Um, the cool thing but, is Mac has a um, – so I had Adobe Premiere for a while, and I like Adobe products. I just hate having to pay a monthly fee. I don't like the mm-hmm. subscription model. It drives me nuts because, you know, like so, your life gets busy, and then you got to come back, and you, I don't know. I, I don't like it. So I got yeah. Final Cut Pro for my – because I have a Mac. And if, if he has a Mac, if he doesn't, then – you kind of go, there's, there's tons of options, but the final cut pro, if he does have one mm-hmm. is a good option to go because you can get the whole professional one that costs like 1200 bucks for $200. If you have an uh, EDU email. So if, oh, he, wow. if he's in high school, whatever, yeah, no, he can use his high school that. email and, and get that. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. And if he's using, I, well, yeah. actually you said he's doing it off an iMovie, then final cut pro, it really is. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll already have the basics down. And yeah, it, it's like a professional yeah. full thing that people that real studios use. So it's good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Because that's yeah, what I'm I look into that. Yeah. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, Rich, man. I, I, I can't stress enough people to go out and check out CSROs. It's if you're like, I love a good tense book and there's a lot of tense moments in this book that you're going through. And I found myself look going back and looking at pages uh, a few times over, like when he first gets down to the U-boat and that shark comes up on him and he's like, Oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. and then swims yeah. away. That was like, Oh shit. I thought the shark was going to like attack him, but it's just, it swim, you know, <laughs> it looks fantastic. And I can't stress enough. I hope people go out there and get it. The other thing, Rich, I got to tell you when I was reading the book, I was like, man, you guys, you set the scene so well, this would be an easy movie to make. So hopefully somebody who's listening <laughs> well, and says, Hey, let's make this movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like, uh, I, I'm not like, I'm not, um, you know, that's I, not I your think like a, a, a common criticism, let's say uh, of a lot of, uh, comic books is that they're thinly veiled, like movie treatments. Like people right. are just like putting them out just because they want to make the movie because, you know, when you're talking about like movie money versus comic money, you're talking about like, you know, yeah. um, like an order of magnitude greater. So, but I'm not just, you know, take 
you know, hopefully take me out of my word that that's not what I'm doing. I'm writing comics because you love comics. I want to write comics. Yep. Would I turn down a movie deal? Probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if, if someone wants to make a movie out of it, uh, you know, show me where to sign. Like, you know, like let's at least, uh, talk about it <laughs> like try it but you know, i'm just saying but, i felt like um, it was i just felt it was that yeah. it was that good that it was a yeah, lot of fun I, I, I would i would love to see this that would be a movie i, I would, would love make to watch yeah yeah i think it would i think it would make an amazing movie and, and you know I, I guess maybe like it's because like because in my head it, it's like it almost already is a movie you know what i mean yeah. because like because yeah, like when i'm writing in your it head. thinking about it it's like i'm visualizing it yeah <laughs> so um yeah, yeah i mean i i would love it um if you know anybody in hollywood uh <laughs> you never know people. man I'll, I'll pitch it i'll pitch it <laughs> when they come on i'll be like have you read this book yet we had yeah. um oh god now that i'm like paul anderson on paul wes anderson paul w oh, yeah. anderson just a couple weeks ago for he just did monster hunter with his wife Mm-hmm. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, that was pretty. It was pretty. It was pretty fun, man. If he comes back on, yeah. I'll be like, "You should read this book." <laughs> yeah, just like slide it, slide, you know, slide, slide it underneath into the door. Or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, Rich. One of the things that we do, which I think this would be a lot of fun with you, is, and maybe you can get Alex to to, to join you. Who knows? We have a commentary track that we do, and we did it with the with the creators of, of with David Boer. And um, mm-hmm. the guys that did Canto, Canto, yeah, Drew Zucker, yeah, yeah Drew Zucker those, and, and David those dudes Brewer. are, are yep. good friends of mine. Yeah, they're great. They're great. And one of the things that we do mm-hmm. is we'll sit down yeah. and we'll take the first issue or whatever, and we'll read the book with the creators and go page by page and and do a commentary track on it and say, oh, what were you guys thinking here and and how did this come about and mm-hmm. what did this angle mean and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if you'd be interested in doing something like that. We'd love to have you back on and do it because it, it, it's, it ends up yeah, being a I'd lot lo- of fun. I'd love to do that. And then we and could I'm get sure the, Alex. I'm sure Alex would love to too. So yeah, we can I, get people to, yeah, to follow along. Totally get in touch with them. Yeah, that'd be awesome because we can get people to follow along, right? They can pull out their book and go page by page with us as we talk about yeah. the book. And we can do just the first book or we can do – usually we just let the, the creators decide what book they want to do. You know, and then we, cause mm-hmm. maybe the fifth is your favorite or maybe the fourth is your favorite, or maybe it is the first one, whichever one it is, pull that one out. And then we do, and then we, we, we give it that DVD commentary track kind of flavor. Yeah, to man, it. I love that. That, that, that's a, that's an awesome idea. I'd, I'd love to, to do that. So cool. yeah, just hit me up. Um, I'll, I'll get in touch with Alex and yeah. Yeah. Let me know what he says. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a date, maybe uh, early next month. Sure. Yeah. It works for you. Um, yeah, I'm sure he'll be down. Like, yeah, we just got to find like a time that works. But I know he's like, you know, loves the book too. So I'm sure he'd be happy to kind of take you through his process a little bit. Oh, that'd be awesome. Cool. Well, Rich, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a, this was a pleasure and it was really fun meeting you. And I, I, I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you, um, you know, picking up the book and and talking about it, giving me the chance to talk about it. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, looking forward to next time. And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, (laughs) I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you got to go check out spoilerverse.com because at spoilerverse.com, we have 
plethora. Plethora is such a it's such a snobbish word. I like it though. <laughs> it's, it's a good word. <laughs> we have an obscene amount of oh, interviews obscene. with amazing directors and artists of all walks of life and editors and writers and oh my god are you a lover of comic books like we are then there's so many so many amazing people from the comic book world over at spoilerverse.com and i highly implore you to go there and check it out yeah and while you're there you can check out all the other podcasts on our network like bridges and geekdoms and funny book forensics and haphazard adventures and nerds from the crypt and so many more misery point radio episodes all the time misery point radio they've got a ton of great stuff out there go check all of them out and Check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you. Every day on Swillivers.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. We have a store link. If you want to help support the site, you can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash country, or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it you know, obviously on all the socials. But if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public discord server and come chat with us all day long. I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once. And really, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing because we're, we're working our butts off to bring it to you. We are. We are. I guess there's only one left thing. One left thing? Yeah. I'm going to go with it. There's only one left thing left to do. What's that? In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind. And even one.